This is Joey Cantillo, and you're listening to Friars on the Farm Podcast. Welcome to Friars on the Farm Podcast. I'm Donovan, and coming to me via Skype, via Crosstown, is Roy. Hello, everybody. How are we doing out there? Oh, dude, we're doing it. I, I am now officially on my two-week uh, paid administrative leave from work. Um, so I so what's got, that all about? Well, um, our, you know, the university is, uh, is very – I'm very happy to be working for the university that I do. We are, um, we are still essential employees, and uh, we still have students on campus. We don't have a lot. Um, it is essentially students that uh, need to be on campus – uh, as in, you know, it's hard for them to go back home if, say, if they're in China or if they're from New York, where it's a it's a state that's been hard hit by um, the COVID nineteen. Um, but we're feeding students. We're not feeding a lot, and I think you know the university is really taking it financially by having everyone still working full time, uh, and they're literally, you know, we're losing money hand over fist. Um, so they're taking that and, but they're keeping us working, which is very important. And they so have given, you're given this, essentially like a two week paid vacation. So we are given two week, uh, it's admin leave. It's, I'm, I'm sure it'll come out of their emergency fund. It doesn't come out of my sick time. It doesn't come out of a vacation time, but it's something that the university has done. And so our department are taking, uh, two week breaks in, uh, like phase one, phase two, phase three, I'm phase two. So when I come back in two weeks on, I think, the 3rd, on Sunday the 3rd, um, another section of our department will take the next two weeks off. That should get us somewhere near uh, the end of the quarter. And um, come the end of the quarter, you know, they're already saying at our university that uh, the students will be staying home. You know, it's already a, it's already a pretty slow time of the year with students on campus, but the fraction of those that will be there are going to be remote learning. So uh, I don't know how it's going to look in summer, but it's certainly going to be a, a lot of the same. Uh, think of what we're doing now. Well, that was really long winded. Sorry. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm fortunate that I can work from home. Um, yeah, I brought my laptop home from the office and I'm set up in, in our makeshift office here. So I'm fortunate for that. I'm also fortunate that I, that I enjoy spending time with the people that I live with because now yeah. I'm spending all my time with yeah. them. I wish I could be spending some time watching baseball. Right. So I've been I've been watching the social hour that Jesse Agler's been putting together what four days a week. It's been fun. Uh, I've enjoyed watching Don and Mudcat get together once a week and and broadcast, do play by play on a video game. That's a that's a different experience. It's been fun, uh, yeah. And then last night we watched game one of the NLDS with the Astros. Uh, so that was that was exciting. Had to wait till the very end to find out what happens. Oh, so I you remember. Know that, I remember you know that, that game. they win, right? But I, I didn't remember that Trevor gave up a run in the ninth inning and made it, uh, made it interesting. See, I didn't know if we had that game one zero or two to one. Uh, and once Vaughn hit the home run, I'm like, okay, it's two to one. I, I don't know where they lose that, where they get the run back. I remember that game. I was working at the Hyatt back then, and I think I was working the day shift. Uh, and I came on and watched that game on, on TV, and whoo, God, dude. Kevin Brown, is it me or does Kevin Brown look a little bit like Mackenzie Gore? I could see that. 
you know, yeah, like a like a right-handed Mackenzie Gore. Well, I mean, it's yeah. the frame. It's it's the tall, the broad shoulders, the long arms. I was thinking more of uh, the face. Is more of the, in the in the in the face that they look like him. But I'm just kind of weird. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Judging so well, much. if he could have that kind of a dominant year for the Padres and oh put God. him on his back to carry him to the World Series, sign me up for that. Yeah, um, yeah. But really, what breaking almost I have here is what what's happening is Baseball America's JJ Cooper came out with. Um, an article on in Baseball America pretty much saying that MILB, well, let me just read this here. This is from J.J. Cooper. When MLB and MILB negotiators convene on a teleconference on Wednesday, that's tomorrow, or would be today, hopefully this episode comes out on Wednesday, multiple sources with knowledge of the negotiations say that MILB will indicate that they agreed to the 120 affiliated teams in a new PBA. That's huge. Uh, but then soon after that, we'll go a little bit deeper here in a second. Uh, minor league baseball came out with a statement saying we did nothing of the kind. Uh, we, you know, they're basically essentially covering themselves by saying we want every single team to be here and we want, we're going to fight for every single team. But, you know, you heard it on Jim Callis, uh, talked about it last episode with us. It's like, if, if, if we pay your employees, we're going to tell you how many employees you're going to get. Well, yeah, and I, I feel like Major League Baseball is using this whole situation as an a, a big leverage position. Absolutely. That Major League Baseball has all the money. Minor League Baseball doesn't. And you've got all these franchises that are struggling right now because they do they what do they retain their employees? Do they furlough them? Do they lay them off? Um, you know, they're not making any money. Major League Baseball made what ten billion dollars last year or whatever the number is, uh, and and so. As it stands, Major League Baseball has all the leverage. They can kind of call the shots. It's like, so it, yeah. I I hope that that's not the case. I hope this isn't Major League Baseball pulling a power move and and saying, "Well, you guys are screwed now. So if you want to if you want to play ball, then you need to play by our rules." But it kind of feels like that's what's going on. Well, and a lot of those teams are going to, you know, a few teams could fold just because they don't, like you said, not have fans in the for at least a year and a half, two years. You know, and a lot of the times with uh, with the season, they have events, you know, like concerts and and stuff like that, where it kind of adds to the off season. Right now, they they couldn't do any of that stuff, and so they're even losing additional revenue that kind of gets them over the hump in the off season. So right. That- I keep. Tr- I mean, so booster club members at Lake Elsinore, so they have multiple concerts a year. They do yeah. a a haunted house there in yeah. October. They've got Monster Jam. They've got stuff throughout the season. None of that's happening right now. Yeah. And none of it's going to happen. I, there's a good chance that we're not going to see professional baseball at a minor league ballpark this year. And, and and so where does that leave everybody? That leaves a lot of those. Uh, well, a lot of those companies, a lot of these affiliates are applying for the small business loan through to the government because it's a small business. Um, and that's interesting. So I think what's going to happen is if they do start the season back up and they do have – and then they do have wherever they have it. If it's this three this three area team idea that they had today, or if they have it just in Arizona, that they will bring minor leaguers there to play in the backfields, maybe a limited amount. I don't. I don't know. I would think there's no affiliated ball this year. There can't be. Yeah. No. No. What What would make sense to me is for them to have a, a, a level of play where it's just the guys that are there to, to back up the major league roster. Hmm. So you've got whatever your forty man roster, and then you've got like 
triple a and part of double a guys and they're just there to backfill in case there's a rash of injuries or whatever right um but you're not going to have all what six levels of affiliated ball all working out playing games at the complexes there just there isn't room for all of that and if they're going to have all these quarantine rules you know these they have to be put up in hotels and isolated and maintain the spacing and all this i don't see how you do that it, it makes sense for Major League Baseball to do it because they're going to make all the money yeah. and and they've got the TV contracts and they've got the players they need to pay it from a business standpoint it makes sense for them to do it for the minor league players it really doesn't make sense I and mean, they might as well do like we're going to talk to Joey Cantillo today yeah so he's hanging out at home he's got a gym set up he's got a mound where he can go throw he can get his exercise in so I, I mean at some point maybe he's just gonna have to treat all of 2020 as if it's an extended off season. Yeah, an extended it's off just season. Training, trying to get strong, maintain my flexibility so I can be ready for next spring. So going back to this article here, both sides agreed on the need to adopt increased facility standards. MILB has signaled its understanding that the current player development contracts by which MILB teams and MLB teams reach affiliation mm-hmm. agreements will be modified to give MLB teams greater control over choosing their affiliates. Minor League Baseball has indicated a willingness to work with MLB on shortening travel and improving the geographical cohesiveness of leagues. Minor League Baseball is expected to signal its ascent to a system going forward where each Major League team will have four full-season affiliates, plus a rookie-level team at its spring training complex. Such move fulfills the largest remaining demand Major League Baseball has requested in these negotiations. And they're adding... Two independent teams, that the, the Sugar uh, St. Paul and Sugarland, Texas. So those- that makes sense, though, because when you look at those, have you seen St. Paul's ballpark? No, I have. And their operations, it's beautiful. It 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 is one of the nicest minor league facilities in all of baseball. They pack that place full. They've got great promotions. Those two facilities are on par with the best okay. AAA ballparks. Right. So um, they and can- so it makes sense for them to fold those in. Their problem is that they're in indie ball and all the other teams that they play are not run at that same level. So here, Major League Baseball is cherry picking, saying, okay, these two satisfy our standards. The rest of you scrubs go take a hike. Interesting. I wonder if they will add any more of those in regionally uh, if there's any you know, gems in the rough there in the independent league. I, I think that plays into what we've seen before where they're, they're Major League Baseball says that they want to help supplement an independent league to, to fill the void of all these teams that are going to lose, all these cities that are going to lose. Uh, but I, I don't see how that works because right yeah. now you've got the major league team paying the income for the players and the and the the staff and also helping out with food. Yeah. And then that goes away. And these teams are already operating on a shoestring budget. They're already, you know, they're already in the red. Yeah. So how are they going to have to bring on semi-pro guys? I, I, I Then it just becomes... Rec, rec ball. It's right. glorified rec, rec ball. Glorified rec ball. Well, that's what it says here. It, the, the two sides are working on a potential deal, which would ensure that at least the majority of the 42 teams would have baseball with ties to MLB in a system that has long-term viability. For minor, There's a lot of flexible language in there. There's right. a lot of work in that, sent, that sentence. Well, and then what is long-term, you know, viability? What does that mean? Are they absolutely like game? Are they, 
Are they operating game to game with the paycheck, you know, paycheck to paycheck or game to game? Um, for MILB owners, the biggest desire in the negotiations are long-term security, avoiding a repeat of this difficult PBA negotiation in a few years, and assurance that their franchise values will be protected and a plan that provides as many cities and teams as possible with a viable path forward. And some of the some of them some of the minor minor league owners will give up governance of minor league baseball to ensure that. So, Major League Baseball wants to move St. Petersburg, where minor league baseball is is headquartered, into New York. So it's one it's this Rob Manfred one baseball one place to go. So that last bullet point right there. Um, so when we we had this big uh, uh, hangouts call with Chris from Turn a Pair Podcast yeah. and a whole bunch of other people, and I think Tara Wellman, um, who writes for the a Cardinals blog, yeah. she was talking about that last point that apparently a lot of these minor league teams that are that are owned independently. None of the teams that are owned by the major league organizations are on the list of being cut, and it sounds like. Part of what Major League Baseball is trying to do is to acquire ownership, acquire yeah. responsibility of all of these teams um, so that they really do have control over over everything. Which on a 30,000-foot a level kind of makes sense because you you want to be responsible for the development of your players. You want to make sure that they're getting food. You make sure that they're having you know adequate facilities to play in, which makes sense. But that's not the way it is. You know, The way it is, these are agreements with with small businesses to do this in communities that have like Chattanooga's had baseball there since 1888 well and these agreements change yeah. all the time i mean every it, every off season we talk about the minor league shuffle that this team is going from single a to double a yeah. and this team was a reds affiliate now they're going to be an indians affiliate uh, it, it's it's a very fluid situation so how does the major league baseball organization take on ownership when they're always bouncing around anyway i there's so there's so much to this story um and then you've got minor league baseball coming in and saying wait nobody's agreed to anything yet yeah. this is all just conversation i i feel like all of this should have remained in a conference room and on conference calls but people just have to come out to the public with it and maybe it's to try to get negotiating leverage who knows you know with minor league baseball it's certainly to get drum up uh fan and community and city support like no one majorly minor league baseball has the most to lose here so they are the ones that need to get it out to the public so there could be an uproar in in the you know in the communities that these teams are coming are going to be taken away and major league baseball wants to keep this quiet like this is they're almost relishing i don't want to say that's a really bad way to look at it but it does this situation with covid and the in the shutdowning of sports really works in their favor to go you know, well, a couple of you guys are going to fail anyway, so we might as well just, you know, put the put the nail in the coffin. And it's a it's a really shitty way to go about it, but it just kind of happened that way. You know what this makes me think of is it's a wonderful life with Jimmy Stewart, and there's the guy that owns the 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 big bank in town, and he's trying to leverage the poor mortgage and loan that if you need help, I'm here, but right. just sign everything over to me. That's 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 really what it what it feels like you know and, and a lot of these even the nicer facilities maybe they can't afford to make a, a bigger weight room maybe they can't afford to do the you know the uh the changes that major league baseball wants is major league baseball going to help with that that's a well and a lot of these communities have used public bonds 
and they've used public funds. They've raised money from the people. I, I, you were talking about one example that they had the op- option of upgrading their police yeah. uh, headquarters. The twins, yeah. yeah. So either upgrade the police, the police facilities or new ballpark. And they voted for a new ballpark. And then what? You're going to come in and say, well, that ballpark you just built isn't good enough? Yeah. It's a, it's a mess. It is a mess. And we're sad because we're losing we're losing Tri-Cities here. You know, for, for the Padres affiliates, we're losing Tri-Cities. what it looks like. Um, and for the Cali League, we're losing Lancaster, which I was just, you know, tweeting with a with a Lancaster fan earlier today on, on the Friars on the Farm uh, Twitter. Um, they just got their first season tickets, you know, and now they're probably not going to be around. I'm sure some of the Cali League are like, well, you know, it's kind of a better – you know, it's a horrible place to pitch, you know, but still it's a community that's losing their baseball. It's uh, the kids that are not going to be fans anymore because there's going to be no baseball within miles of that place. Right. And if you want to go watch pro baseball, would you drive to Visalia? Is that the next closest? Or I guess you got to go down into like San Bernardino, but it's it's a long drive. Yeah. And that's nothing compared to like up uh, at Tri-City. Yeah, well, absolutely. I, that In Iowa, they want to get rid of – they spent – Millions of dollars for a, for a baseball field in Iowa, and they're canceling all those teams. Yeah, how does that make any sense? You're going to have the Field of Dreams thing. You're going to go out there, spend millions of dollars to build a one-time use facility. I'm sure they're going to use it for other stuff, but I mean, come right. on. They're going to play one Major League Baseball right. game there, invest all this money into it, and then and then it, it, just, it, doesn't, make, it doesn't make sense. It, they're not going to use it for Minor League Baseball. Yeah. So why don't take that money and sprinkle it among all these all these facilities so everybody can upgrade and make the experience for the fans in that community better. The fans that don't have immediate access to Major League Baseball. Absolutely. Well, right. Hey, we got an interview with Joey Cantilla coming up and it is Badass. <laughs> I can say that, right? It's our podcast. Yeah, we can say badass. Our, we can say whatever we want. It is a fantastic <laughs> interview, man. He is so um God, he lives in paradise, and he talks about it. And uh, well, I'm glad that we talked to him today too, because he has the right kind of perspective. He's he's yeah. definitely looking at this in a positive light. Um, but he's got some, he's he's got a lot of insight for somebody who's 20 years old. Yeah, he has way more insight. I, I was delusional at 20. Um, this <laughs> this young man is very well put together, and uh, that interview is going to come up right now. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Travis Healers here. I'm a local sports chiropractor and I practice at Oasis MD Lifestyle Healthcare in Mira Mesa. I know a lot of the offices are closed during these troubling times, but just wanted to let everyone know that I'm open for business and ready to treat all your chiropractic needs daily from 10 to 3, as well as 10 to noon on Saturdays. We have a full-time cleaning staff and maintain social distancing, so I want to make sure everyone knows that it's safe to come into the clinic. I treat patients of all ages with neck and back pain, but my specialty is in sports chiropractic. If you have any questions or would like to make an appointment, you can text me at 612-327-0809 or email me at t-e-h-l-e-r-s at oasismd.com. If you'd like any more information about the clinic or me personally, you can find me on my social media pages at Dr. Travis Ehlers on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. 
Also, my website is www.drtravisehlers.com. Hope everyone stays safe. Joined here with Joey Cantillo over in Hawaii, dude. What's up? Hey guys, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Hanging out. What is life like in quarantine paradise? Yeah, I mean, I guess like we were talking about the new normal right now. Um, it's been, uh, I guess, fun's one word for it, but it's uh, it's been a bunch of things, a lot of emotions, a lot of mixed emotions, just with everything going on. You know, kind of trying to find the best perspective on things, but also at the same time realizing that hey, we're in this this crappy situation and and hopefully it's all resolved soon but um yeah definitely trying to find the positives in it and uh staying busy at home staying busy with obviously the baseball stuff and staying busy with the family you know got a couple projects at the house that have been fun to do you know we're painting my sister's doing the the backyard we're we're gardeners we're painters we're everything now so but it's been fun it's been fun i gotta be honest with you it's been fun so here in San Diego, everything's locked down. They're not allowing people to access parks and beaches. In fact, I think today they started opening that back up a little bit. Slightly, um, yeah. yeah. But like people aren't allowed to go surf. And I know that for you, going yeah. down to the water and spending time down there is a big part of your off-season. Yeah. Are you able to do a lot of that now? Yeah. So it's it's been uh, it's been very interesting, just like everywhere else. I know that I was talking to a buddy in California that the beaches were really shut down there. Obviously, our beaches have been closed, state parks. You know, you can't be on the sand. But up until I think it was four days ago, you were allowed to walk on the water. You were allowed to walk on the beach, right? So everyone, you know, there'd be a good amount of people. Everyone's keeping their distance, but people would be walking up and down the beach um, and doing active things and stuff. And swimming is, you can't keep people out of the water in Hawaii. Like, for whatever reason, you know, swimming is fine. As long as you're in the water, you're fine. Um, And surfing, like I've been surfing. Surfing's been okay. But three or four days ago, they did... Uh, they started adding in more restrictions and they said no more walking on the beach. I think it's only you're either in the water or no tolerance. You're, you're not on the, you're not on the beach at all. So are they out there enforcing it? Do you see cops? Yes, or whatever? Yes. No. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's a scene out of a movie. There's cops running up and down the beaches with their ATVs, you know, looking for people. And, uh, yeah. So <laughs> from just wanting to be in the ocean and from wanting to get a good game of catch in playing catch with whoever I'm playing catch with or, trying to get a workout in you uh you definitely want to make sure you're you're helping the situation not being part of the problem but also doing what you can so that's why i think it's such a it's a it's a fine line with all of this you know so who's catching your bullpen um so i have a catch he was he went to kamehameha which is a local high school here um his name is dylan salcedo and he has been catching my bullpens yeah he's been awesome so He's, it's been it's been great. He's been coming over Tuesday, Fridays. We've been throwing two bullpens a week. It's perfect in the backyard. We we also have um, pro hitters. Tanner Nishioka with the Red Sox comes and he stands in, and then one of my two of my college buddies come once in a while and they stand in too. So we get after it. We keep the intensity high. You know, I'll throw my I'll do my thirteen pitch routine and then we'll um, and then they'll stand in and we'll dissect batters. We'll do like, hey, what well, were you looking for there? And we go, you know, get a little competitive too. And they'll start smirking, thinking they had that pitch, and I'll start laughing like you have no shot. And so it's been fun. Yeah, 
A little bit so, of, uh, yeah, we've been talking smack. Dude, that's so are they swinging a bat? Are they, like, are you guys simulating anything, or is it's it just, just standing just, in there? Yeah, they're standing in with the bat. They're not swinging or anything, because if they if they did get a hold of one, not that they would, guys, but it would probably go into my bedroom window. Oh. So. <laughs> okay, so this so, is happening yeah. in your like in your side yard. Oh, this is, oh, I didn't tell you guys. Oh, I'm sorry, I haven't, yeah, so everyone listening, I have a, uh, I guess I should have started with this, guys. But no, I have a, to my left here is a, um, and I can send you guys pictures after. To my left here is my backyard, which is big enough. It's not a huge backyard, but it's it's got 60 feet, 6 inches. So what we did, me and my my sister, actually, we went to my high school, and we got this old portable two-piece wooden mound. And I was going to build one. I talked to Jacob Nix, who yeah. had built one in his backyard. Yeah. I was about to build one, but then we realized I realized that I had this one at the high school for me to use. So we were able to like – we were able to lug it over the fence, and um, we loaded it up into a truck, basically. It's Dude, fine. You got my, some permission, my... right? Right. I was yes. going to say that you didn't sneak yes, in the middle of the yes, night. Yes, yes, yes. I did. No, 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 no. I got permission from the uh, the school officials and my high school coach. Um, but, yeah, we got this back in, in the backyard, and my um, my backyard's kind of unlevel. You know, it's not a perfectly flat yard, so home plate is kind of raised to where the mound is. So me and my dad had to put, up, put this two-piece mound on cinder block. And pieces of wood to kind of angle it upwards, so I'm still getting that downward slope with the shape of my yard. So it was, it was a fun little project, good father son time, and uh, we got it set up. And I've probably thrown four or five pens on it now in the last two and a half weeks. So it's been awesome. Roy, did you see the video of him of Jacob Nix and his buddy build the mound? Like they had a whole. They I did saw a, that. They did a whole thing with it. So it, it was it a wooden mound, or did they build it up with clay and yeah. everything? Home Depot. They show you saw pictures, right, Joe? You have them like yeah. they're at Home Depot. They got a bunch of wood, yeah. and then just video of them building it together, and then finally throw pins. But like, I think I think Nick's is in Arizona, so it's one like they even had to move it because where his release point was, the ball was coming out right at the eve of the roof. So they had to move the mound over because there's barely six foot six inches in yeah. in his backyard. In that, yeah. No, I definitely have been able to like, like you, I'll send you guys pictures after. Um, yeah, I got enough space. I don't have this huge yard, guys, but I have a, a yard where yeah, I'm comfortably sixty feet six inches. You know, my bedroom window is I think like probably, you know, seven or eight feet from probably where okay. my head is when I'm standing on the mound. So I'm not I'm not crammed anything like that. I am throwing. There's a there's a big mango tree. It's a cool little shot. So I'm trying to get some some videos for baseball purposes and just to. Throwing bullpens under a mango tree, kind of not under a mango tree, but next to a mango tree. Is <laughs> Dude, kind of, it's island life. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, so, it's the new normal. Right. It's the new normal. Hell yeah. Did you see the video that Joe Kelly put out where apparently he's working on a change up and it got a little sideways? <laughs> you I mentioned a that. window, broke a window in his house. Oh my gosh. And then the reaction that he had was perfect. Like he put his hand up to his mouth and he's like, oh no. And he stood there for a second. It's the same thing that all of us would have done if we did the same thing. It, it was so, the funniest thing ever. And that's a that's one of the best relievers in the game too with yeah. his stuff. And it's just like the fact that he missed by, you know, 10 feet to the right was just mind boggling, but it happens. Uh, believe me. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. So in that backyard, do you guys get any wiffle ball action going on? I mean, that sounds like a pretty good yard to get some wiffle ball. Yeah. It's, um, no, we don't do anything like that. I know my buddies that come over, they, I actually gave them, we had this, like, it wasn't a wiffle ball machine, but it was this like rubber balls. It, it was a pitching machine with rubber balls and they're going to set it up because they're trying to build them up. They're trying to, they ordered a cage and they're trying to get a cage going um, in the backyard. So they're going to use that back there. They're going to front toss to each other. I'm sure I'll, you know, go and help them out. So 
it's been uh it's been fun just everyone's trying to find ways to get in their work you know so what's the rest of your workout look like do you have do you have weights at home do you have like do you have an area where you go run what what uh what's your setup yeah, no, with this, it's just, just like the off season, you know, you can kind of treat it like the off season, but it's not because we're in season is the way to look at it. But, um, so my day consists of weight training and then the baseball side of things, which is basically throwing as a pitcher. Those are your two essential. So my auntie across the street are really good family friends. Um, basically our really close neighbors. She has an adjustable weight room set up in her garage that she kind of got just for Corona. So there's a good amount of weights in there. There's a bench, everything I need to really get a good workout in a couple dumbbells I brought over there. And so I'm able to get in a good total body lift three times a week in there, which has been awesome. And, uh, I do that and I throw and that's, that's, that's my day for baseball. And then my, my daily, my, my daily routine has been all over the place recently, to be honest. So it's just, it's been finding, you know, helping the family and getting outside of the house when I can safely. And, uh, First and foremost, getting the baseball stuff in every day. So, so what are you? What are you growing in the backyard? What are you gardening? My sister, she's. We, see, the thing is, with this time, like I was saying, my mom wants to repaint the entire house. You know, we. The other day, we were. I was scrubbing the roof above me, scrubbing <laughs> off all. The, you know, getting ready to paint. Right, cleaning it before you paint. Yeah. Um, we're painters all of a sudden. You should see my living room. Um, and then my sister just. It's just something fun to do, be outside the house. Um, so she's, you know, she's buying rocks and we're putting rocks in and we're like, she's, she's doing the whole landscaping thing. You know, she's, she's putting in these, these plants and stuff and, and we're going to like try to make like an, we are, we have a nice patio set up, but we're going to make like another patio under the mango tree and kind of make like, make, put stones in there and kind of make a nice little place to hang out. Yeah. So basically it's it's a project. Right. Your mom's got free labor. (laughs) Oh, oh yeah. But it's, it's a project and it's. But yeah, it's, it, it is, it's, it's, uh, it's using this, it's using this time to get those projects in for sure. And I'm over so here your, complaining sometimes. Like, oh, <laughs> do, we need, do we need the new paint? Oh, is your sister older or younger? <laughs> my sister's older. Yeah. She graduated so, from Seattle U. Does she, does she work right now? What's, what's she doing? Yeah, she, she does work. She works for an internet company. Um, not an internet company. She works for Guayaki. It's a herbal. It's a yeah. tea company. They make yeah. caffeinated tea. If you guys yeah, hear about yeah, it, yeah, we we sell them. It's at, awesome. At my unit, we sell them. At yeah, my it's unit. good yeah. stuff. It's it's caffeinated tea and it's healthy. It's you know it's, um. So she works for them. So she's been home working and she, you know she has a bunch of free time. Um. So she's been doing that. So, she's uh she's been surfing too. Everyone's everyone's finding ways to stay busy and not totally because I'm you know I'm not a homebody. I I can't I I get I can't just be in the house all day. So whether it be Thank God I have baseball to, and you know, at least I can always be working out, you know, somewhere. I can always be doing something or stretching with how I like to do things. So, um, we've been staying busy. I, me and my sister have definitely been staying busy. My mom's home. She's got her set up in the, in the dining room table there. She's got a couple computers laid out. She's been taking phone calls and stuff. And, uh, yeah, it's been fun. So what was the thing I saw on Instagram the other day? It was uh, like whipped cream on the bottom. Well, the whipped cream challenge I saw oh. your mom doing. And then the, what's the other yeah. thing with the peanut butter and look at coconut milk in the bottom? It looked like peanut butter. Yeah, I didn't cook. My mom was doing some weird whipped cream challenge. I don't I don't even want to get into that. You kind of walked into the she frame. Was trying to like, yeah, I did walk into the frame. I was messing around in the back of the frame. I'm, I'm glad you saw that. She was trying to like, she was trying to, she was trying to like plop up ice cream into her mouth and could not do it. And. <laughs> It was it was funny for yes, and then uh, <laughs> what was it? We made whipped ice, we made whipped coffee the other day. Yeah, oh. whipped coffee. 
It, it was looked, nice. It was it, good. It looked like peanut butter was coming off the spoon. Yeah, it was. So anybody listening at home, if you've ever had whipped coffee or if you've never made it before, just go equal parts with any instant coffee. Equal so whatever two tablespoons of instant coffee, two tablespoons of sugar, and then two tablespoons of water, and then whip it up, and it makes a really thick, um, you know, coffee substance. And you pour it over iced coffee, over iced almond milk, and perfect almond milk, coconut milk, whatever you want. Really good. <laughs> Damn. Well, hey, dude. So you, you uh, the expert. So let's go. Let's talk a little baseball. Um, you know, you 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 kind of dominated the Midwest League a little bit. We're, you know, after a while, did uh, did the Padres have you start working on other things other than just kind of pitching? Were you uh, working on sequencing at the end there? Uh, yeah. Um, at the end of the at the, at the end of the Midwest in the Midwest season before he left for Lake Elsinore. Yeah. So yeah, that was such a that was such a an interesting time because. Not to say that I was, I, I mean, I was throwing really well and I was having good results for a couple of months there. Um, and I think you start to really narrow down your focus when it comes to that kind of thing. Like, yeah, you're dominating. Or let's say you're getting good numbers and you're executing and you're, you're winning. You're getting swings and misses and all, all these things. Then it kind of, you know, narrow down what you're trying to do within each start. Like you were just saying there. Like maybe, hey, if I'm dominating, I just threw six or seven shutout innings, but you threw five or six curveballs. Hey, maybe okay, maybe let's throw 10 or 12 curveballs that next start and let's, uh, you know, not lose the results because at the end of the day, it's result-based, but you want to make sure you could could find a little more time for development, whether that be, you guys know me, whether that be, hey, if I go out and I throw a three hit, three hits over seven innings, that's good. But if I threw four or five curveballs, that's not necessarily, you know, I want to be throwing more curveballs. I want to be working on that pitch. And there was definitely some start, <laughs> some starts there in Fort Wayne where when I had that curveball going on top of the fastball and changeup, then it's, it's fun. It's fun. You can really see what you can do. So how do you work that out with, so was Blake your catcher just about every day? And how yeah, do you, Blake, how do you work it into there? How does he know when to call it? Yeah. Shout out Blake. Blake's Blake will listen to this. And, you know, I, Blake, I love Blake behind there. He, uh, he did such a good job last year and I, you know, I'm thankful, so thankful he's there to catch me hopefully for a long time. Um, but yeah, with that, it was kind of to a point where we'd kind of, I think what we ended up doing was we, we would say we'd throw one curveball in an inning. I think there were some starts in the middle of the summer there. We'd start saying that. And the, the thing with the curveball, guys, and you've heard guys talk about it before. I think Paddock's talked about it, too. It's like it's such a confidence pitch, too, because it's such a – the way we're overhand and it's such a big breaking curveball. For me, I know I have a good curveball. I know when I throw it right and when I command it. I don't know if you guys have seen the tape. It's, it's a, a great pitch. I just got to – got to command it, yeah. So I think the confidence of it is huge. So when you go into those starts or you really go into those eight at-bats or just – the, you know the 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 routine the pre-pitch routine before you're going to throw that breaking ball is if you have confidence in it you're going to get results so the more the more and more you throw it early in games or you're dropping one or two in early in that inning or early in that at bat then hey you dropped one in there it's con- like it's good it's good you know you keep rolling with it so the confidence is it's just a confidence pitch really but do you know that in certain counts he's going to call for it or against certain batters or is it just whatever yeah, he puts the fingers down I don't. We never dove too far into that. We didn't complicate things like that. There was never a need for that. You know what I mean? I, I like to keep things really simple. When you're, you know, pitching itself is our baseball is such a simple game, but at the same time, we like to complicate it yeah. so much. So I think with Blake, since me and Blake have such a good understanding of what we want to do together, going into those um, games and and our game plan every time is, you know, we keep it simple. Um, so yeah, really just trusting him when he wants to throw certain things, and um, and yeah, it was. It was fun. Those starts where we had all three going, that's when you'd see, you know, 
the, the good, the really impressive numbers. So it was fun. Did you find? Did you find there were other? You know, it's Midwest league. So did you find lineups like some lineups a little bit deeper than others? Or like you're like you see this team. I don't know. I don't want to throw a team out there to embarrass anyone. But like, oh yeah, we have the you know the Timber Rattlers, and uh, you know that's kind of an easy lineup. You know, or this lineup's gonna be a little bit tighter. I never, and I, this may be just me, guys, but I never like to give the lineup that much credit. You know, I like to say, hey, if they didn't see anything that day, then then that's just because I was too darn good. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I would never I guess you could probably say, yeah, there are some lineups that are better than the other. You know, that, that maybe they have some more guys. They have some more dudes on that team. You know, a couple of higher prospects on this team than that team. And, you know, maybe the overall batting average is, is 14 points higher. Um, but, you know, when when a team got me. It was because it was my fault, right? And when when a t- when a team really, I, I would never say, hey, maybe South Bend, South Bend was just not as good of a hitting team as West Michigan or whatever. You know, right. it was based based off of my stuff that day and where I was throwing what I wanted to throw. So, so was there much was there much scouting that was done beforehand, or you just would roll up with what you got and go? Um, yeah, there's a little bit of scouting, but I think for me personally, like, and we're talking about what me and Blake like to do and what, you know, whether we had a couple pitching coaches there, but our game plan really with me and like how my stuff plays, it was just to really keep it simple. And, and I know what works for me and even the organization is kind of backed what the organization is really backed what, you know, they want from me, which mm-hmm. is, I know how my stuff is, you know, fastballs up in the zone. Um, and, and then obviously that fastball changeup combo and then working in curveballs. Um, I, I'm kind of a you know north like if if I'm giving a quick summary of you know attack north and south and then establish those changeups because you'll get them diving forward and it, you mess up the timing that way. So, <laughs> so what did you you know what were some of the things you really took away from when you were in in Fort Wayne your first full season of professional mm-hmm. baseball? Yeah, a bunch of things. It really was, and I think you learned so much. I had obviously gone to Fort Wayne the last two weeks of of the 2018 season after rookie ball and you know i didn't really know what to expect because that was my first time out of arizona as far as you know in affiliated ball um but yeah starting there uh last season in 20 it seems like it was years ago guys it really does but no it was just last year (laughs) it was just so much has happened um no we we got there and it was it was it was it was half it was half like learning and having fun with just like you know what's going on and like this is sick. Like, you know, we're playing in all these stadiums and then it was half like half just like, okay. Wanting to like, make sure you're doing things right. Make sure you're like learning like the affiliated life, like making sure like, okay, like sleeps get like, I guess worrying about things too, you know, half and half of just enjoying like That's what life is half enjoying half. Like, Hey, am I doing this right? Um, yeah, there's like, you go through regular struggles of being on the road, of like i think the biggest thing early on was like the sleep routine because like me i can't just take it blake blake hunt is a guy that can, can sleep more than anybody else i've ever met blake could wake up at, at 10 a.m and take a four-hour nap at noon i don't know how he does it but i need to be regimented with my sleep schedule or else i won't sleep like and and the nature of baseball just when you're you know you got an early day game and you're up at eight and then you go to sleep at 2 a.m. after a night game it's just and you got an early bus so you're you got to battle that and you kind of got to find a good rhythm which i obviously did but early on you kind of just need to work out those you know work out that stuff that's one of the things that that we hear about ac so much is like his his focus is yeah he wants to win ball games but he's developing ball professional ball players yeah and that go ahead yeah and i'd like to go off that yeah because that's and i think ac that's why he's 
he's such a good manager. He's such a good human being, but just such a good guy to have in Fort Wayne with those young guys. And, and, and I know AC talks about this so much. He preaches that because, because Fort Wayne in the San Diego Padres organization is that stepping stone. It's that first big step into full season affiliated ball where you're really learning to be like he always says, like be a professional. And there's so many things without just, it's not just about your footwork or your curveball that day. There's so many other things. Really, and that's the truth. Um, you know, you got to worry about your rent. You got to worry about you know making sure you're signing this lease and and you know making sure you got your clubby for the first time, taking care of Swirly and and just taking care of fans and, and just a bunch of things. You know, you're 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 in contact with the stadium personnel and the the, the management from the Tin Cat personnel themselves, and the you know you're. It's about being a professional, and like I said, it's it's not just the sleep schedule that I was talking about there. It's it's all those things like learning learning how you know you're playing for a city too you're you know it's like learning to just lear- learning to build those relationships with all those people and how to go about your business the right way balancing being a human being but being a professional athlete at the same time so it was fun so did you wind up making any connections with fans or people with the front office or anything like that while you're in fort wayne um yeah i mean a bunch of them mike nutter obviously he everyone talks about him he's a great guy um, he's done such a good job for that community. That's why the Tin Cats have been so successful because they value, you know, they're so important there. And it's really awesome to see the camaraderie and just the Tin Cats are huge in Fort Wayne. And it's and it's it was awesome to play in front of that to be such a a, a staple in that in that city. Um, I just, you know, you, the relationships you build and 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 your interactions with one another is is really all we've got in this world too. So it's like it's, I just you know the grounds crew people there they've just everyone from this just the stadium personnel just the people you see on a day day in day out basis yeah. that you know for coming from rookie baller like what people don't understand you know big leaguers can talk about this every day the people that the ushers that they see or or the security that they see every day it's just building those relationships and obviously at low a it's a different it's a different scale than the big leagues but it's that starting it's learning how to do that there so right. when you are in the big leagues and maybe it's another 100 people that you got to worry about and and be with along with another 50,000 fans in the stadium or 40,000 fans um it's just about balancing those things and learning you know how to be a professional like AC always says so well didn't and didn't swirl you guys this in the past couple yeah. years didn't he like so yeah. Yeah. gotta shout out to Swirly. I'm trying to get yeah. him on the podcast but he's he's I, I'll call him Yes. If anyone listening doesn't know who Swirly is, Swirly is Sam Lewis. He's the uh, Fort Wayne clubhouse manager, and he's the uh, he's the best, he's the best human ever. So he takes care of everybody in Fort Wayne. He takes care of everybody. So he's a really good guy, and he did. Yes, he did come out to Hawaii. He came. Him and Blake came. They yeah. stayed with me. Uh, this was in November. This was in November of this past off season, and it was fun. You know, showed him some really good. We ate really good. We went to the beach. It was a good time. Did a couple fun. Did a couple fun hikes. I don't know if anyone saw videos of those hikes, but saw them it was all. fun. Saw them yeah. all. So I hear, I hear he's a pretty good cook. Swirly. Yeah. He is not a good cook, and I'll go on record by saying this. <laughs> but now he was no, no, no. He was not a good cook, and <laughs> if he listens to this, yeah, he is learning to cook a lot better now. From what I've seen, he's he's well, uh. He's been grinding away. He's been practicing. Because he was preparing your guys' spread for a lot of it, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I don't want to say he's not a good. No, he is a good cook. <laughs> he he cooks for all of us. But but I you know for gosh, I got to be careful with what I say here. Actually, yeah, I don't mean um, to get you in trouble. No, don't do it. No, no, no. <laughs> I will tell you. No, no, no. For, obviously, he's really all I know. And you got Terrence and Lakey. 
no, Swirly. And you could talk to anybody with this. You know, all the clubbies we really have, as I, you know, in spring training, you, you know, um, everybody. Um, no, I, I, it's, it's funny. It's, it's, I'm not joking, though. He does such a good job. It was ridiculous how, how well he take, takes care of you. And you kind of need that. You kind of need that. Um, and it was just good. Me and him got really close throughout the year. But you really need that with someone who's like, he's, he's, he's not, he's not one of the guys. He is one of the guys where he is. He's one of the guys because he's Swirly's twenty two years old. He's just yeah. the same age as the rest of us. Um, you know, a couple years older than some of us. Um, he's not a player, but he's also someone that knows exactly what's going on. So it's just another person to talk to when you have things to talk to, and just another guy to have around. So it was really awesome to have, you know. If you tap, if you tap Skype, you'll it'll it'll hit you back. There, there you go. Have that close. Donovan, not the time, please. Yeah, we just lost you for a second there. Um, absolutely, with Swirly, and he's been doing it for like three years now. Can you hear me there, Joe? Yeah, yeah, I hear. Okay, I you know, you with great. with with Sam, like he's been doing it since he was nineteen, and having someone at that age, that you know, pretty much the same age as most everyone there, there is a little bit. There's there's a distance. There's a not a disconnect, but there's a distance there because he's not a player, but he's been there, and he's your age. He can speak your language. Like if you have a clubby that's a little bit older. You know that you know it comes from a little bit different generation. There might be a small yeah. disconnect there, but and and, and a different feel yeah. for that relationship. But like Sam's like, look, dude, this is what we do, and and yeah, one hundred percent. And that's why, I was, like I'll say, it was so great to have him there because because a couple of things, like like you just said, like he he's been there and he's seen the, the studs and all these guys we have in San Diego now. He's seen he was their clubby. He he saw how they went about their business. He saw what they did on a day to day basis. He saw how they approach games and what they did during games. And he can kind of he can tell you things of what he saw, but he can also you know see it in you. Or he could also just it it was the perfect for, it, it worked out perfectly because we had all these different moving parts that he was able to just it, it worked out so perfectly and that's why he's so he's so great there but obviously he's got his own you know he, he wants to work his way up too eventually so uh just a great guy though great guy so did ac have a cool way of telling you you were going to lake elsinore he did actually um <laughs> he did um preston manningly was also there he's one of our pro scouts um he he pulled me and he pulled me into the office and said, Morgan, who was one of the Fort Wayne, she was one of the tin cap personnel. She worked in the front office. She was one of one of the front office members. She said Morgan needed me. She, they called me into the office. Something about a a community, uh, something to help with the. It was like a reading to kids. Something okay. about reading to kids. That's cool. And she called me in something about that. Um, and they called me into the office and I thought I was going to sign papers. And he said, they need you to do this in California. And I was, I thought he was serious about this. So I was like, okay, I'm going to Cal. And then it, it took me like six, sec- five or six seconds to be like, oh, Elsinore. Like I'm going to, I'm going to Elsinore. And yeah, and I, I was a little, I was a little stupid there and I was able to fall along. And then I just, we just laughed and smiled it out. And it was, it was an awesome feeling. Because it was you- later in the summer there. I wasn't thinking about it. I really was not thinking about it. From, I promise you guys. It was after, I think it was after I went, I had a, we had the no hit bid into the ninth. Yeah. It was that start. And then I, I wasn't even thinking about promotion. I can be a hundred percent honest with you there. It wasn't, it was something I kind of like, you know, it's in the back of your head earlier on, but I think a couple of weeks it went on where I was just like, you know, it is what it is. I'm not thinking about it. And it totally caught me out by surprise. It was crazy. Yeah. Did anybody else go out to, uh, like Elsinore around the same time you did? I remember Tucapito Marcano came out. Or Luke, Luke I, came later. He came in the playoffs. 
And then uh, no one Lee Solomon? Like, Lee Solomon. Lee, Lee, Henry, 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 Lee Solomon, um, Tuku, Adrian Martinez, Afrain Contreras. A lot of those guys ended up coming towards the playoffs. But I, when I went with still, whatever, a month left in the regular season, it was really just me. Moser, Gabe Moser was there a month earlier, right? Um, and and uh, Xavier was there. X was there. Edwards was there. So, um, but yeah, it was it was really interesting for me. And I'll say this: just having that Fort Wayne was really all I knew, right? As far as affiliated ball, and we had such a you know the you know the clubhouse vibe and stuff. And every clubhouse is different, and every set, your routine is different everywhere because it's just the the nature of the game. Um, and I remember being there. You know, you're just trying to feel everything out the first few days. It's obviously guys you're friends with and you have a relationship with because you know spring training and all this. We're all playing for the same team, but you know they're four months into a season where they've been doing things this way and I was doing things that way. So it was just about learning, you know, the new routine, and it was it was awesome. It was Elsinore was so much fun. Uh, it was it was it was so much fun. We had we had a good time. So uh, you were working with uh, Luis Camposano and Jalen Washington when you got there. Uh, yes. Did it take a little bit of time to adjust you guys to get uh, on the same page or what? Um, Jalen Washington never actually caught me. Michael Cantu did because Cantu was there for a little bit. And Cantu has caught me a lot in the past. Um, it definitely is different. I think me and Blake, uh, me and Blake have, have caught each other so much. Uh, he's caught me so much. Sorry. Blake's caught me so much. So he knows. And I, I think just, it was just, I had to remember to, Hey, have that, di- have that dialogue with Campy with Luis and then talk with Cantu of what I want to do, what they think I should do. And just, you have to talk a little bit more because obviously me and Blake know. So it's just about having those conversations and really remembering to have those conversations, you know, before Penn and before, you know, you even get out there onto the field. Yeah. Those guys know the, know the lineups a little bit better and it's a little bit better, you know, it's higher competition. So you're, you're seeing much more disciplined hitters there. Yeah. And go ahead. Yeah. So you you mentioned Michael Cantu, and I just wanted to show you what he's yeah, been doing this that. off season. He's wearing the wrong <laughs> he mask. A, he posted a that. picture of himself wearing all of his Padres catcher's gear. I just I I love that. He's hilarious. Yeah, really, really genuine guy. He's he's a good. Guy. He's I'm hope he's doing well. He's having fun at home. So he's in Texas. So he well, yeah, Texas boy. Um, so you get to let go. So I was at that start. I mean, it, it's it's funny because I, mm-hmm. I you know I was still kind of figuring out. You know, like protocol. Like I walked out after a while. I can. I'm gonna walk out on the field. I, you know, I'm I'm, I'm allowed yeah. to be here. Am I allowed to be here? And I walked yeah. out, and you're like, I'm like, hey, you're like, hey, hey, dude. Um, yeah. It, you seemed. You know, it was good to see you. It was funny. You know, it was finally good to to see you in uh, in high A. Um, Did I see him on edge? Is, is that what you're it saying? It was a little weird. Well, I think we were both on edge because I was still kind of like. Even now, I'm well, like yeah. walking around an yeah. infield, like I don't know if should I be here. I don't, you know. Yeah, no, you, that was. I'm sure you were fine. No, I was just, just like anything else. When you get called up, you, you know, you try your best to, not, you know, nothing's changed, obviously. Um, and I ended up not throwing great that game. Um, not horrible, but definitely not great to my standards at all. Um, no, it's just it's a new place, you know, new team, new everything. Like you. Not that it should hold you back in any way, but yes, there's natural thoughts that come into your mind, and that's that's when you struggle is when you're thinking about things you really shouldn't be, and it's all about quieting that really. Um, and yeah, I'm look I look back at my three starts in Elsinore is, uh hey, two two weren't great and one was was solid, um, and not because the line like whatever whatever lineup who I faced whatever team had these guys in the lineup that day, 
um, it's really just, I think I was in control of myself, you know, that one start in the middle there where I was able to, to go five solid innings. Um, and those other starts, I think just certain moments where starts got the start got away from me in certain innings, innings kind of blew out of proportion. Maybe I give up a hit and I walk a guy when I shouldn't. It's just, it's all about, uh, responding to little things that happen throughout a start. And that's really what pitching is because it's so much, you've heard people have heard me say this before. It's so much between your ears, right? It's, it's what it's, it's about quieting that guy, quieting your head. Um, well, and in your mind that, that first much. game you still had seven k's i mean that's pretty damn good yeah and yeah no and it, it, yeah and to be honest you, the defense did let you down a little bit there were some innings i, I thought you could have gotten out of uh and then just yeah. like you said it just kind of snowballed from there and yeah um that next i think i, I saw the next uh the next week you pitched yeah, again i think there. i was there for that one as well yeah where it was like yeah. hey, there's the joey cantilla we see that's yeah. the joey we want to see yeah yeah and and I think like f- from people watching outside of the game itself, or from outside of the the field, really like there's so many things that happen where like I, I like you talk about the first start. Maybe these plays could have happened. Maybe those plays could happen. Like that is true in a sense. But I don't. I also know that hey, I didn't respond. Like you know, I didn't make a pitch there when I really should have made a pitch. And there was times where I that 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 outing. I don't know if you remember. This is uh, this is an Inland Empire. Yeah, Inland Empire. I don't know. In my memory, I, I remember exactly what happened. But you know, there's certain starts where that one pitch, whether it be a two-one change, whether it be a two-one changeup, that that hey, I, I execute that pitch, and you know, you're right back. You know, it's it's all about respond. To me, it's all about those slight, those slight moments where you're responding the right way, and those small little things that make a difference and carry that start. And you know, you can it's going to go up and down, but yeah. it's about you know staying even with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and I'll be yeah. Those starts got away from me, and that one in the middle, that one good start was a solid start because I was I was in control the whole time. So what Donovan was describing earlier, it made me think about. So Chris Paddock has has he's established this different personality on game day. Um, <laughs> do you find that that you do that that when you know that you're pitching that day that that you're like mentally you're already in it? Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, sometimes to a fault. To be honest, um, you you want to find balance there. For sure, but yeah, I know you know you know the nature of this game. We're all superstitious. We're all like I'm very routine oriented. I'm so regimented, and during the year, you know exactly when you're pitching. Every six days, you know everything's mapped. That's how baseball is. I know exactly what I'm doing every single day. I my I'll tell you guys my my day. I know exactly what I have to do at what time every single day. You get into a routine because you have to, and that's how I go about my business. Um, but uh. But yeah, you know, on that sixth day when it's your time, you, you're so locked in. You're so locked in on what you have to do. Sometimes you don't. Not to say that it consumes you, but sometimes like you need to know. Hey, like my starts at seven o'clock, and this is like I, I know Chris does his own thing. Um, like if my starts, at, if I'm if I got first pitch at seven p.m., guys, doesn't mean I have to wake up at whatever. This is insane. It doesn't mean I have to wake up at ten a.m. locked in. Right. No, that's not. You, you need to find that balance. You need to find that separation. And that's actually what our pitching coach in Fort Wayne, Matt Williams, was able to really teach me was, hey, you know, there's a time to lock in. And yes, it's good that you get there, but you don't you you can you can, you know, find that balance earlier on in the day um, with everything. And kind of when it's time to turn it on, when it's time to put the earphones in, it's time to do that. But, you know, find that separation. Right. I guess be, a, go ahead, Roy. I, I guess a challenge there. Everybody's different. So Chris yeah, yeah. may be the type that as soon as his eyes open in the morning, mm-hmm. he needs to be the yeah. sheriff. But yeah. you might be, you know, maybe an hour before game time is when you turn it on. Yeah, 
Yeah. And it, but and you can't figure that out until you've gone through it a yeah, whole bunch of times. Trial and error. Yeah. And everyone is different. And it's all about finding what works for you because at the end of the day, we're all like some guys, some guys can go be playing. Like I'm not playing ping pong the day of my start. Like some guys, I cannot be, I know, you know, I know certain guys play ping pong and they're having a good time. No, no, no. When I say I'm relaxed, I'm, I'm not out here like talking story to people by all means. No way. I'm, 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 I don't think I talked to anybody on start days. It's very, it's come a long way. I definitely didn't talk to people. Now I can have a little conversation for right. sure. But yeah, everyone's different. You know, everyone, some people find that being loose and, and, and hanging out, playing ping pong, you know, talking story, playing cards is fine for me. That's not really how I am. I think, uh, I watch a little Netflix or something and I, you know, I do stuff whether, you know, a little meditation or whatever it may be. And then I have a, a long routine of getting my body ready to go. Yeah, you're not grinding your cereal at first thing, 10 o'clock in the morning. I got to start. You know, <laughs> no, it's like, all right, I'm doing no, my cereal. No. Those, those little routines no. that kind of get you. you yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the season's too long to do that. For me, the season's too long. You, you got you to gotta find the balance for sure. All right. So then you, you go. So then, well, let's that last start, let's just throw that out there because it's Lancaster. And Lancaster, everyone knows, is the twilight zone of the Cali yeah. League. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, um, I remember that start like it was yesterday. It's it was it was funny because the first two innings of that start, whoever was watching, I was fine. I think I had a couple of K's through the first two. You know, didn't I? Don't even know if anyone got on. And like I'm saying, like when people look back at the box score and say, "Hey, okay, whatever," if he, I don't know if I went like three and a third or three and two thirds. Like, okay, he just didn't have a good day. Like that's not really how. In in general, after the fact, yeah, it's not a good day. But if you look, if you pay attention to the game and you look into those those moments and sequences during the game, you know, two innings in, I was fine. Some, you know, so, something happens maybe in that third inning where you kind of slip out of balance and it kind of gets away from you there. And that's what I think is what we're working on, right? That's why I'm in the minor leagues. It's why it's why we're all here is because you you find those ways to hey to slow it down and you know. So, you know, throw that fastball where you need to there, get that guy, and then you're back. It's all about staying in that rhythm, too. So that I know that third inning there, I think, got away from me a little and went out for the fourth, um, and I don't think I ended up getting out of the fourth. And it's all just – it's about controlling that. There were starts in Fort Wayne all the time where I, I remember pitch count, whether I'm at 85 and, I, you know, I, don't, I have 10 pitches left, and maybe, maybe I have – three pitches left and i have one batter left because i just walked that guy it's like hey do i want this reliever to come in and finish my inning or or like you're not thinking but you're not actively really thinking about this but you know in the back of your head like hey like i want this guy like respond to this situation and you know get that guy out so it's all about learning to do that <laughs> yeah making the adjustments yeah so you mentioned yeah. pitch count so do they have you it was 95 your number and then did you were you trying to pitch to contact a little bit or were you just going out there trying to strike everybody out? Um, it's the, as far as the pitch count thing, it's, it's, it fluctuated throughout the, the year. I don't even know. It was 95 at the very end in Fort Wayne. I want to say, I know it's with the build up. It's, it was probably at like 70 at the beginning of the year and it slowly, they have a good way of doing it. They really, they do a good job with that. Um, but you asked, uh, no, I don't think, I guess sometimes I guess you will pitch to contact or maybe you got a guy at first and you want this like, hey, you, you got to pitch to contact sometimes right. you want it. You want that weak contact. You want that double play. But uh, I know I, I it's a quote I always think of Scherzer always talks about. He's every single pitch he throws. He's trying to throw it by that person's bat. Um, and yeah, I think for the most part, I'm not I'm not 
when when I'm on, right, when I'm at my best, I'm not ever throwing a change up hoping he rolls it over to the shortstop. No way. I'm trying to I'm trying to strike that guy out. I'm trying to get a swing and miss. Um, when I'm throwing a fastball, whether it be 01 or 02 or 00, whatever the count may be, like I'm trying to throw it past his bat. I'm trying to throw it by him. Like that's where that intensity has to has to be. And sometimes for better or worse, you know, you don't want to ever overthrow, right? If you know, like I say, 00 fastball. Like does that fastball need to be 93 or or 92 on the corner? No, it needs to be over the zone. And if he hits it and puts it in play, then so be it. So that's where that balance comes from. Where I'm not going to ever say, hey, I'm one or the other. But it's it's. It, it fluctuates throughout the game and in certain moments and certain counts, you have to, you know, combat that. So do you find yourself thinking about that stuff now, now that you can't, I mean, you can't yeah. play right now. You're not going to be playing in a game for probably a, a, at least yeah. a month or two. So yeah. is that stuff swirling around in your head or are you trying to keep it away? Well, it's, it's stuff, you know, it's, it's really common knowledge in my mind. Like I know that's, that's pitching to me. That's, that is what it, it's not something I naturally, I, you know, I think about pitching every day, but it's not those in-game moments are kind of something that just, just happens like you know you you should know that and when you're when when you're when we're at our best we can do that when we're not at our best and we're being silly uh that you know you know you're not thinking straight there um so yeah i think pitching is so and hitters will say the same thing you know they're two different things but there's so much that like i don't think people realize there's so much you know that is going on and there's so much things that's not only about the stuff but it's about like you know what you're trying to do that actual pitching part of the game not yeah. just throwing it's sl- slowing the game down really and not letting it speed yeah. up on you and you know finding that balance yeah. of being able to yeah. breathe and just yeah. getting ready for the next oh 100 the mental side is huge but also just physically like it's not just about throwing that baseball and how how you know how many uh getting your spin rate on your slider up and stuff like that it's it's about like the sequence of hey your slider could be wicked, but if the if the hitter knows it's coming, like it's not going to do any good to you. Like if he's sitting on that slider, or or like if if you're three one all the time, it doesn't matter if you're throwing ninety eight. Good, we know good hitters. That's yeah. If, you know, you got to put yourself into positions to be successful, and that's what's what it's all about. So, where did you go? So, going into the off season, what uh, where did you want to focus on going into the off season? Um. Yeah. It was. It was kind of the same thing you tell yourself every year. I mean, I, I was coming off a solid year where I knew I did things really well, but I always knew I could do better. And it was just continuing to get bigger and stronger. Um, I turned 20 over that uh, over this past offseason. So continue, continuing to add on uh, muscle and, and power and get stronger in my legs and throughout my whole body, really. And then there was a lot of uh, core, the core velocity belt, which a lot of people were, were linking to my name. Um, that I was using, and I bought one of those, and it was good. We did a lot of work on my hips when I went to Arizona in the off season throughout the winter. Uh, me and Steve Lino, we did a lot of work with our legs and and just getting into the right patterns with my with my hips and my legs to uh, to fish, to throw the ball more efficiently and and better. That was my next question. So you just answered, but so is the core velocity <laughs> belt? Is that something that you constantly use, or is it something that kind of gets you, um, you know, corrects your mechanics, and then you go on from there and you, you kind of put it down, or you, does it? Yeah, you could do a lot of things with it, and I'm still figuring that out too. Um, I used it a lot in the off season because I was trying to hammer out that pattern, and it got to a point where you know, in spring, where you know, like you just asked, are you using it every day or are you using it when you need it? It's. I think you're still trying to find that. I'm still trying to f- figure that out too because, you know, I'm not like throwing bullpens in it or anything like that anymore. It's more of just p- pitching is all about pitching is like a movement, right? And it's it's multiple movements that create your motion. And your motion is your pitching motion, right? So it's about hammering in, like the using your. It's about hammering out those 
those motions and making sure it's a pattern where your brain like it, it just thinks to naturally move that way and that's what the belt forces you to do it forces it forces you whether it's restricting you or assisting you pulling you in that direction or you're resisting to, to move your body in this to fire your hips in this time to to extend your leg at this time to hinge here with your hips not your not your knees so it's teaching you to do those things in a baseball specific motion yeah. so that you hammer that out so when you when the belt's not on it's like muscle it's muscle memory muscle right memory, you don't yeah. have to naturally think about it you know it's baseball's too you're trying to throw a, a fastball right to the catcher's mitt you can't be thinking about your mechanics you right. know you can't be thinking about moving your hips in the, no way right so it's all about hammer it's all about doing that outside of the game and we talk about this all the time uh you know pitching coaches and pitching coordinators talk about this all the time is separating your your routine work from your, your separating your pitching side your mechanics and your routine work you know they're two different things right you, your mechanics are something you do you can work on what you can work on half 20 pitches in your bullpen could be focused on your mechanics but maybe the last 10 make pitches right throwing program could be based on okay feeling your body but at the same time that's what's the, the nature of pitching is hey you're there's all this mechanical work, but half of it is also just being an athlete and just, you know, whatever, you know, being a dog and just wanting to, to, you know, aggressively strike everybody out. So it it's, eat. it's balancing those two. Right. Yeah. Let it eat. Exactly. <laughs> hey, exactly. so do you, do you do, so who, go no, ahead. I, before, I want to know who, who introduced you to that piece of equipment and who taught you like, cause you've obviously learned a lot about it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, you know, what really got me into it was, was learning our glutes are our biggest muscle in our body. And that's, and as me, most people and me, especially are, we're quad dominant and I'm not going to stand up and show you guys a pitch, uh, a little hip tutorial right now, but I'm, I'm a quad dominant person. So I get into my quads. So I get up in the ball of my feet. So what was happening with me, you know, for most of my life and early on in my career was I was in my motion when my leg, when I do my leg lift, I would get into the balls of my feet on my, on my plant leg. And I would, and then you're using your quad and I, my heel wouldn't stay in the ground, right? If you guys are picturing this. So it's all about, it's the longer your heel can connect into the ground and you're using the, the ground force, you're talking about ground force too. As long, the longer your heel is connected in the ground and you're using your glute, because if your heel's in the ground, you're shoving your heel into the ground, your glutes on. So activated, basically the yeah. longer you can, yeah, the, the, the glute activated. That's, that's why we talk about glute, glute activation so much. You'll hear athletes talk about that. Um, but really for me, it was like I wanted to use my glutes more. I wanted to get into my hips, into my legs more. And this core velocity belt, I think I stumbled up. I don't know where I stumbled upon it. On Twitter, you know, two years ago. And uh, there was one start in Fort Wayne where, you know, Matt Williams, our pitching coach, he actually brought it because he had it at his house in North Carolina, I think. And, you know, it was shipped over for that. And I used it that week. And and, and that's I don't want to – I hit 94 that game. And I don't want to say it's because the belt. But it was the hardest I've ever thrown in my entire life. And I was using the belt that week. Um, you know, a c- couple things could have factored into that, but um, it was really, it really did, did wonders for me. And I hope it continues to do wonders for me. Our, our friend Lance Brozdowski happened to be there when you were working with it. He wrote up a really good article yeah, um, about you, but also about the belt and what you're trying yeah. to accomplish with it. Yeah, yeah, and and I'm sure you guys read that. It was, it, it, it's just about, like I said, it's about patterning, getting that pattern down, so where it's muscle memory. You know, you could, you could step, I could step on a mound right now, or anybody could step on a, a mound right now for that matter. And someone could tell them to move your body in this way. And you'll, you'll figure it out after, you know, maybe 10 minutes or maybe two hours, you'll figure out how to move your body that way. But two days later, when you're on your own trying to throw a ball as hard as you can to a catcher's mitt, you're not, your body's not going to move that way unless you train it and train it and train it. 
So I think that's what the belt <laughs> helps you do. See, and that's what I do. I struggle with my trainer. So I, I was seeing a trainer once a week and I'm like, okay, yeah. give me things I can do and not have to really focus on too much of, yeah, you know, the fun you know, of the mechanics of it yeah, and yeah, I can just do yeah. it. And he would have me doing, sometimes he'd have me doing these funky things where it's like, I can't replicate yeah. that by myself without you going, okay, yeah. watch your feet, keep your hips here, do this. Yeah. So a- absolutely. Um, my question, so a lot of the Latin guys, you, you see them put videos on, on Instagram where they're running on the beach. Are you doing any conditioning on the beach? Um, I'm not, I don't do much running on the beach. I, I, once in a while I do, I have a, I have a stationary bike in my house, so I've been getting after it on that. Um, which has been good. I mean, swimming, surfing, all that's a pretty good, you know, we actually, me and me and one of my best friends, we were, we were doing, uh, we were racing each other in the water. This was just yesterday. We were, there was no waves that day. It was really nice and flat. We went to uh, Makapu, which is one of the local beaches here. And it was just, it was like a lake. It was absolutely beautiful. Um, and we just, we did, we did sprints. We did, we did, uh, freestyle breaststroke flies. We did all that. And we were racing each other and we made it a workout. Like we did eight sets. Um, and yeah, no, we were, we were, we were doing it and it was fun. So enjoyed it. Do you find you get a lot more flexibility with, uh, with the swimming kind of working out with swimming? Yeah. I mean, I, I always, when I'm home, I'm always swimming. Right. So in the off season, it's just, it's part of my life. I'm always in the water. Um, I'm a, my routine, obviously, in the off season, it's 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 it's. I go to this place called Tactical Strength, which is a great gym. A lot of our pro athletes locally go there, um, and then, you know, I, I go there from nine to about twelve thirty one, and then from there, I'm if I have to throw early in the off season, I don't have to throw, but later in the off season, I'll throw, and then. But after that, you know, the whole afternoon is just we'll go to whatever beach and we'll surf or we'll swim, we'll dive, do whatever, you know, hang out at the beach, play spike ball. Um, stay busy. So spike ball is big. We play. Sp- I can play spike ball in my backyard. Have you guys heard of spike ball, dude? I've seen it. It's professional. There's like a whole professional league for spike ball. Oh, I'm sure they have pro league. But yeah, if you got a beach if, anywhere at the beach, I'm sure that they play in California all the time. It's awesome. It's tennis. It, it's it's sorry, not tennis. It's volleyball, but instead of hitting it over a net, it's it's hitting down into a net. For the it's listeners, it's like a little trampoline kind of a thing. Yeah, right? it's a trampoline looking net. And you play two v two, and instead of basically, if 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 you've never heard of it, anybody listening, it's inst- you have three hits just like in volleyball, but instead of hitting it over the net, you hit it down into the net. And we play on sand, and you're diving and you're laying out, trying to keep the ball up, and you're slamming, and people are. It's so much fun, and we, and it's such a good workout. So we'll my off season that spike balls. I could list spike balls my off season my uh, conditioning program some days. Dude, that's so, rad. So yeah. you get to Peoria. It gets intense. So you get to Peoria. Uh, how many? How long were you there before they kind of shut things down? Because I know they had the mini camp before everyone really showed up. You were there for the yeah, mini camp, yeah? I, yeah, I was there really early. I uh, I was I like to be there early. Mini camp started, I think, on like the twenty first, and I was probably out there on February first, to be honest. February, uh, not February first. I was out there on February third, right after the Super Bowl, the third or the fourth. Um, so I was out there a whole two weeks before mini camp even started, and then we all went home. I think March fifteenth or sixteenth. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I was there when the big leaguers were slowly rolling in. Like I was, I was there before a lot of the big leaguers were even there and, you know, you get, you get your work in, they separate things pretty well. And it's a, you know, sometimes you're playing catch right next to, you know, the big leaguers and it's all early on in February, you know, you're all together and it's slowly as big league can roll in, you slowly start to separate. So it's really, it was really a good experience always getting there at that time when you have big leaguers and you're around big leaguers. So did, I mean, obviously yeah go ahead ahead. well just i was just saying like you know it's guys you play with so sorry so being around those guys 
Uh, did Kirby Yates, have you hooked up with him a couple times in spring training? Yeah. Yeah. No, I have. He's a, he's a great guy. He's from Hawaii, which is another island. Um, yeah, me and him, we got dinner once with uh, a couple other local people, a couple other local baseball players that were in Arizona one night. So yeah, he's, uh, me and him talk, you know, when we run into each other in the weight room or wherever it may be, you know, in the kitchen area, um, we'll talk story for a little bit and yeah, he's a great guy. He loves to talk story too. So it's, it's always fun. Did you find him uh, kind of taking you under his wing, or is it still a little early in camp for him to kind of do that? Yeah, no, we talked. I mean, we talk about we talk about everything. You know, you, you, we'd see each other every day. Just the, you know, that, the complex is not that the complex is not that big. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we'll we'll talk about whatever it may be. Food. We'll talk about home once in a while. Or we'll talk about you know his last his last outing, or because he he had thrown a few outings before um, camp was finished up. Or I'd, you know, we talk about my bullpen or whatever it may be. Um, but ne- we never really dove into it that much, M- mostly small conversation or just like, you know, here and there, you know, small little things. So as, as things were happening news wise, what kind of stuff were you guys hearing and, and what were you guys talking about as things were starting to change? Um, yeah, it was really, it was so interesting cause it was, um, it was kind of one of those things where it was all room uh, rumors and you wouldn't really, it was just like, Hey, he said this, who said that, um, but once the NBA season finally announced that they were suspending their season, that's when we kind of said, hey, okay, if the NBA is doing this, then other organizations are probably going to do this. Other yeah. leagues are probably going to do this. Um, so really when the NBA did that, we were like, whoa, baseball's going to follow suit. And they did. And then the team starts calling meetings, and you're kind of just listening to this fluid situation of what they want to do, what you want to do. And and then now we're here. So, Yeah, that was that was the very next day. Because re- my wife and I drove out to Peoria that Wednesday. And we went to the game in uh, against the Cubs because it was a split squad. Yeah. Uh, we, so we wound up missing McKenzie and and Patino. We were, I picked the wrong game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, we were sitting there, and I'm looking at Twitter, and I'm seeing the Rudy Gobert, all of that that he tested positive, and then the NBA decided to shut it down, and we're going, yeah. like, what's going to happen? It was the very next morning that all yeah. of that came down. It really happened so fast. It really did. Um, and I remember not really knowing. You know, they they were communicating with us to the best of their knowledge, right? They don't. The, you think every every organization, and I've said this before, every team is, every team and and personnel, they're all doing their best with this situation, and no one's really prepared for it. So everyone's just trying to gather information and and figure out what's best to do, in you know, in everyone's interest, really. Yeah. So, um, you know, slowly over the next few days, it was all worked out where you know guys slowly. You know, everyone figured out what they were doing specifically, and and uh, the Padres were great. You know, they they sent everyone to where they needed to go, and they they slowly, you know, got this all figured out. How long did that all take? Um, I'm not sure. I don't I, I don't know if you guys know the date of which the the NBA announced or the MLB for that matter announced well, that they were suspending spring training. I can tell you that we um, drove out on the 11th, and it was the 12th that I remember okay, it was then, it was rained out, and then I, yeah. I'm pretty sure I was home at least on the 15th or 16th of March. Oh, oh wow, so that went pretty I, quick. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and this is still like we like every t- conversation I have with any person with the Padres. It's such a fluid situation where it's kind of like, hey, you you know, we know at this point. And I was talking to another person about this today. Um, this is so fluid to where, hey, we know, I know that in the as far as baseball side of things, like I know I'm not going to be throwing a pitch in two weeks. Like realistically, right. that's. We know that. And I don't know if I'm going to be throwing a pitch in two months or four months, but how I don't go about my day-to-day business and routine from a baseball physically physical side of things, I know that if I get myself to a steady point, a semi-ready 
state of yeah. being ready, semi state of being ready. Um, that on the back end of this, whether it be a second spring training or whatever we're calling it, they're going to give us a, a few weeks. They're going to have to give us a little bit of yeah. time. It's not going to be a lot like it's normal, but there, there is going to be time. So you need to have that peace of mind to, to be like, Hey, you know, don't get yourself stressed out. Like do what you can do the most with what you got. Um, but it will be okay because you will have time on the back end of this. So, so are they checking in with you on a regular basis? Uh, yeah, you, we have to check in every day and then we'll get a phone call once in a while and, and they're, they're, they're keeping, making sure everyone's staying, staying on it and staying healthy. So real quick, before we let you go, the last, so before we talked, uh, since we've talked to you, we've talked to Josh Emmerich, who is the West coast scouting director. Uh, and oh, wow, we went, wow. we're like, we had, we had, we had Joey on. He's actually, um, he's actually a, f- uh, the a stepson of a friend I played rec ball with. Um, and back okay. when we were playing rec ball, he was a basic scout. Uh, actually, he was playing minor league yeah. ball, and he became a scout. And then by the time I found his business card in a local high school where I was playing rec ball, and I'm like, oh, my God, Josh, now he's a West Coast scouting director. But we mentioned him to you, and uh, and he's like, oh, yeah, love Joe. I love that kid. He's a great kid. Um, we talked to music about him. Uh, yeah. we, we talked about music with him. Um, yeah. I just wanted to tell you that. <laughs> I just kind of lost my yeah, train no, of thought. Yeah, no, he's a great guy. Hey, it's yeah, he. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be sitting where I am right now. So, he was one of the guys that helped draft me. So, well, hey, Joe. So, so, are you keeping in touch with other other players? What's what like? Do you have like Zoom? Like how we're talking face to face right now? Are yeah. you guys doing that, or are you kind of doing your own yeah. thing? Yeah, I mean, you come, you make good relationships with all your teammates, and obviously, you lifelong friends. So, I think I just stay in contact with some of the guys I'm really close with, and you know, we'll FaceTime here and there, and you know talk to all those guys i talked to swirly blake you know tom Clay. i talked to all those guys on a pretty regular basis and check in with them you know make sure you know i know blake's got a solid setup back home um right now yeah he's just north of us so, up in yeah, County. yeah everyone's everyone's doing yeah, yeah everyone's doing their thing um and you know it was such a a weird situation when it was mid-march right when everyone's trying to figure out what was going to happen you know some guys don't have the, the the ability to come home to their families and have you know live in their parents house for that matter some guys have wives or girlfriends or kids for that matter that they need to you know figure out what they're going to do with the next few months of their life because they're not going to be where they thought they'd be um so just really about checking in with those guys and like seeing like you know hey are you good like you know you're all you're all set in and everyone's got a nice little or you know everyone's doing okay yeah. really and, and settled in so well, hey, well it's good to hear that you guys were checking in with each other because yeah you know, we were hearing some stories yeah behind the scenes you, there were people that were reaching out trying to get help for the players that that needed it um yeah. and that was really nice to see that the yeah. people really do care about each other and want to make sure that people are all yeah. right because it's bigger than baseball it, it is, is. Baseball. it is you know and poor yeah. swirly i think uh, there was a game that should have been played the uh, last week or the week before and there was snow on the ground. So Mike Nutter, I think, tweeted out a picture of like, oh, if there was going to be a game that. today, it was going to be snow. So you got to be texting that. pictures with uh, with Sam like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, hey, man, we really appreciate yeah. you taking the time to talk to us. And uh, great catching up with you. We don't know what it's going to look like in the next few months, but we just, uh, you know, I want to say just stay healthy, stay sane, get your work in, get your house painted, help your mom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you, Donovan, Roy. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I always enjoy it. All so, right. Thank you. Yeah. Stay safe through all this. Take care, guys.
that was cool. You know, if there was any place, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I'm stuck at home in San Diego, but if there's any place I would rather be for this whole shutdown, it'd be Hawaii. And you see it on his on his Instagram, like the, for the past few weeks until, you know, four days ago when they shut down all the beaches, you see this, you know, just these picturesque paradise scenes of him just like this is the beach I'm at. Yep. And you're like, God dang, you know, and he's running around with no shirt on like a native, um, all tan, nothing like us here with... <laughs> farmer ten, but I just I love the perspective that he took. You you said this before we went into the interview, the perspective that he took. The um, the uh, God, he's just wise and, and old beyond his years, and he's still getting his work done. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, no, he's definitely in a good spot. So we're happy for him. Um, I'm glad that we were able to take the time. I'm glad that he was able to take the time to talk to us, dude. And we kind of got him in a little bit of trouble there with the uh, is Sam a good cook? Whoops! And he's like, "No, uh, he wanted to talk a little trash." Dude, it was, no, uh, right, when, and, but he's so respectful that you didn't want to do that. When Angela and I were there, we talked to Sam, and and he told us about how he would go out and get all the food, and he'd he'd cook it all up and have it all out there for the guys for the spread because he wouldn't just go to Subway and get a six foot sub and cut it up. He'd go get a bunch of rotisserie chickens and fruit and vegetables and and yeah, but he's twenty two years old and. You probably knew how to cook at age 22, but not all of us did. No. I could make like mac and cheese. That's about it. I couldn't. No, I, I wasn't. I didn't start cooking until I was almost 30. Um, you know, I didn't I didn't know that about Sam that he had to do that. Like I, Terrence, you know, and here at Lake Elsinore, up in Lake Elsinore, they have a chef that does that. I don't think Terrence does the cooking. I think the chef does that. He puts it in the hot box and then he goes. Yeah, no, that's that's all that's all on Sam. Wow, that is that yeah. makes me respect that guy even more. And I hope he's he, a busy dude. Yeah, and I really hope that uh, he uh, he agrees. Uh, well, takes the pressure from Joey to come on the podcast because he, I'm sure, yeah. he has just fantastic stories. You know that are that are appropriate, and he's not going to tell us any secrets, and we don't want any secrets. But um, you know, just the life of a clubby, it's it's interesting. I want to know what he does to keep his game sharp in the off season. Right, instead of going to you know, besides going to visit friends that live in Hawaii, yeah, because he doesn't have bats to sort and helmets to to pack and all of this to prepare for a road trip. Yeah, I, <laughs> anyway. I wonder. Yeah, absolutely. So that was really cool, you guys. Uh, we're coming up on episode number one hundred. So after I can't believe it, dude. Epic. What a long, strange trip it's been. You know, it's funny because now I'm back in the office. Uh, where I did the first three or four episodes without you, and they were horrendous. It's funny, I I talked to um, you know James from EVT when he was talking about what he wanted to do for his hundred, and I'm like, go back to your first couple episodes. He's like, no way, bro. And I thought that was so strange. And then I thought about it. I'm like, no, I'm not. No, I would never go back to those first three episodes. Hell, I wouldn't go back to the first <laughs> fifty episodes. That was such a mess. Fran Mill Reyes went three for five with a right. double. No, no, he oh, hit a single oh. and a triple. Right. And that was um um that was a, a five two loss to um yeah, Tacoma. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, we've come so far. Too, we have come so far, and uh, we appreciate you guys listening. We're gonna have a really cool. I'm working on something really cool. We're both working on something really cool for episode 100. We are gonna bring the heat. We're gonna bring the fire, um, and we're gonna bring it to you hopefully the next week. You can find me on Twitter at SD Donovan. I am <laughs> at Zippy underscore TMS. Oh, COVID. Go away. I need to get back to my life. Go away, COVID. Right, yeah.
Desire, they don't want to hit the spot, yeah.